We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like getting it up. (laughs) Is it friendship or is it romance? And establishing boundaries. Those are like... My exact 20s. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Uh, But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed professionals. In no way, in no stretch of the imagination are (laughs) are we qualified to do this. Sam and I are just English majors with a lot of opinions and a really good friend who's talented at audio engineering. (laughs) Thanks, Spencer. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I did once ask him, I was like, do you do you call yourself an audio engineer? Because that just sounds like way more badass than like it does. A uh, person who presses record, but there's so much more. <laughs> Honestly, our podcast <laughs> sounds so good because of Spencer's understanding of the equipment that we use. And I mean, he, he takes our like shitty DIY quarantine podcast stuff and makes it sound beautiful. So everybody give it up for Spencer alone in your home right now. <laughs> That's right. Everyone clap for Spencer as if you were a frontline worker. Please do it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, he's just the best. Anyway, we are not qualified to do that. We just have a really good friend who's talented and lots of opinions. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 90 fucking three, Samuel. Um, That's crazy. I know. I can't believe we're like rounding up to 100 soon. Um, With that uh, cool upcoming anniversary in mind, I want to, before we get into our check-in topic, which will be a continuation of last week's, um, I want to share an awesome special announcement. Sam and I were once born once. (laughs) Yes, you are. We were once born at one point. (laughs) Sam and I share a birthday June 2nd upcoming uh, next month. And in honor of ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) 
And of all of you, we would like to celebrate with you. We're going to do our second ever live stream show on Saturday, June 6th at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll do a standard episode, plus we're going to have at least one special guest. I haven't... I know, I'm not done yet. Um, Spencer Big Cats, our wonderful producer, friend, original music maker... It has agreed to let us interview him for at least a couple minutes. Um, Are we going to ask him lots of questions about his sex life? Uh, I really <laughs> value his friendship, so probably not. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know what that says about your friendship. Because <laughs> I love asking you those things. Um, anyway, so um, we're really looking forward to it. Again, it's Saturday, June 6th. It's going to be our birthday episode, live streamed. Um, and you can get tickets for that at justbreakuppod.com right now. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, Maybe this time I'll like actually dress up for this instead of just being like, oh, I don't know. You know what? I like did my hair and then I, <laughs> I put on the fucking huge headphones. And then I was like, well, this, <laughs> yeah, that- <laughs> this doesn't matter anymore, does it? Oh, I do want to say to anybody who missed the live uh, the live stream show last month, we did end up airing it. But if, if you can... Watch it live because I think the best thing about the live show was that everybody was like in the chat um, mm-hmm. bonding. The community was like showing up and chatting along and like, it, you know, it, it, it's like imagine like being able to like live tweet the episode with your best friends. <laughs> and yeah. Spencer was chiming in. I think Spencer was like the highlight for a lot of people because he's so funny and he was like making snarky comments about the things we were saying, like rightfully so. <laughs> Um, not snarky comments, you know, commentary, I should say. Uh, okay. So get your tickets for our birthday show live stream or that will be live streamed on Saturday, June 6th at justbreakupod.com right now. All right. Our check-in topic. Yes. (laughs) I just, I'm trying to, I'm like, (laughs) just trying to like get it through, you know, not get it through, but like get to the check-in topic. Um, have you noticed that our quarantine episodes have been like an hour and a half plus? (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that's because we don't talk to anyone else yeah, literally i think it is <laughs> um i don't mind because like i they feel like organically ending at that length instead of like you know acts like i don't i'm not gonna apologize for talking too much <laughs> yeah. I didn't, but, um okay so our second topic is a continuation of the conversation we had last week about cheating Last week, we talked about what cheating was to us and how everyone has their own reality or understanding of cheating or infidelity. And you had the most amazing um, point, which was that we should redefine romance, not as intuitively knowing your your partner's needs, but instead having open and honest conversations about your expectations so that you are... Mm -hmm less likely to be crushed by them. <laughs> but guess what? We can't control if people crush us or not. Um, no, we can't. TLDR every episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, now we're going to talk about like how, how to move on beyond cheating um, and infidelity mm-hmm. if you're choosing to stay with that partner. Like how do you rebuild trust? And this was inspired by a letter, but I don't remember what the letter writer's name was, so I'm sorry. Um, Listen to last week's episode when we talk about the letter writer's name. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like anonymous, anonymous or something. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, our yeah, I, I think that we should probably start 
this conversation by admitting that both of us have have tried to to move beyond infidelity and and like stayed with that person for a significant chunk of time but we would we could both arguably say that we did it poorly correct <laughs> uh yeah i would say that the other person did it poorly and not necessarily me oh my god so. look at you not victim blaming us for people cheating on us <laughs> meanwhile i'm right. over here like well how could i have nurtured him out of his problems better? yeah right like how could i have stopped him from repeating the behavior um you know how i could stop him from repeating the behavior i would i, I could no longer give him the space or opportunity to hurt me <laughs> aka uh-huh, uh-huh, removing uh-huh. myself so i thought maybe we could talk about like what we did and and how we feel about that now and then maybe mm-hmm. move into any advice we have for people yeah i mean so i think that i think that i did the thing that i would advise listeners to do right which is that me and the dude uh sat down and talked about it mm-hmm. he was like honestly contrite I was like, um, contrite. What a good word. Yeah, and I was like, you know, this really hurt me. Um, you like you, what you did was cheating. It was not not cheating just because you didn't participate, right? Like this is this is how I'm defining cheating. Um, but also, I think like, where I didn't participate, okay, <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah, okay, okay, just like uh, my person like, <laughs> just slept in the bed next to somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, "Were you naked in the room with them, masturbating?" And he was like, "Yes." And I was like, "Okay, so how's that not cheating?" But apparently, we had different definitions, so it was important for us to come to share. <laughs> Episode ninety-three, getting to the T of it. <laughs> uh, but so I, I feel like that was good. Like I feel like that equipped me to be able to forgive him but the issue was is that then like the the behavior didn't really change do you think that your Um, forgiveness was primarily prompted by the fact that he admitted something that he did something wrong yeah ah yeah okay so me too in life forever and and i think that that is inherently a good thing right because we cannot expect people to be perfect right yada yada Um, All we can really expect is like reflection and growth. But in my situation, um, I felt like I, I gave that forgiveness too willingly just because my partner at the time was so good at talking about his issues that I mistook that for actual self-reflection, you know, like it's one thing to be able to articulate all of your shitty behavior. It's another thing to actually understand why, how it's happening, what you're going to, you know what I mean? And also how you've hurt the person too, right? Like you can talk at for days and days about how fucked up you are, but like if you're not able to see how the, the, those things are impacting others, like that is not actually an apology, at least for me. Cause we talked for, we talked in one episode about different apology styles Mm -hmm. and you and I both had the same one. So Mm -hmm. we did. And I, you know what? Let me turn that on myself for like accountability's sake. I think I did a lot of anti-growing for so many years, like like not talking about infidelity, but anti-growing in that I was really good at articulating my problems, but I didn't put any weight behind fixing them. Um, yes. And I think that there, we've talked about that in past episodes, like there's a difference between um, like self-acceptance and, 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 and self-growth. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So anyway, infidelity, 
yeah, so you did. So step one, he admitted he did something wrong and you forgave him. And then you said his behavior didn't, didn't change. Yeah. So then it was like he was still I would still find him making out with people in bars or like <laughs> he would disappear for four until four in the morning and like right. would not return any of my calls or my texts. Um, and but and then claim innocence. But I think. Yeah. And then gaslight me and tell me that like I was being unreasonable mm-hmm. um, and that I was crazy. I was a crazy person. Uh, <laughs> love him. Mm-hmm. Uh Love and that then, for him. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that was really good. Mm. Um, it really taught me about like what's acceptable and unacceptable in a relationship. So thank you so much for that. Um, but I also think like, I think that I also spent a lot of time policing the behavior as opposed to like recognizing that I had tried to establish a boundary and saying like, you cheated on me. This hurt me. This will not happen again. But then continuing to be like to let him overstep that boundary over and over again and and like continue to let him do that. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and let him disappear for hours at a time, even if he wasn't cheating on me, like without consequence. Still, yeah. Right. Like that was unacceptable behavior for me. And but I still like let him do it because it didn't. Because I should have broken up with him the second time he did it. Right. right. Like. I offered a forgiveness and then was like, this won't happen again. And then the second time I turned around the corner and saw him making out with someone in a bar, like that should have been like, okay, this is clearly not working for you. So it's not working for me. Right. Right. And I think you said something about this. The last time we were talking about this, you said Mm -hmm. that you were really trying to change his behaviors and not your own. Yes, exactly. Like I was trying to get him to stop cheating on me (laughs) or like to stop not even cheating cuz like I don't want to I don't want to say that he was like a perpetual cheater cuz like who knows what he was doing in those hours between 10 and 4 in the morning. I can paint uh, you a like, picture. <laughs> cuz he didn't he didn't tell me and he pretended right. like it wasn't happening. Right. Um but I think like yeah, I was more I was more focused on trying to change control his him. behaviors, mm-hmm. control his behaviors rather than like understanding what was in my control, which was to say like this is unacceptable behavior for me and it's time for me to not, it's right. time for me to withdraw your access to me. Right. Access to all of the good things that is me. Like you don't get yeah, access like, to this my- body mm-hmm. and this great personality yes. and these really repertoire or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you That's pronounce ex- it, but listen, I wasn't a French major. Okay. <laughs> uh, you did pretty good. Um, so, Yes, I totally agree. And I think that, so what I did was a little bit similar to that, like a little, I would argue, less graceful than you. <laughs> <laughs> but that just is because I'm I'm generally a less graceful person than you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, But it's related to what you were just talking about, like trying to control that partner versus trying to recognize what you do have control over, which is you and your actions and the access of yourself that you're giving that person. Um, so for me, uh, my, my partner, I don't think I would use the term gaslit me, but it, I ended up feeling just as crazy as though he was gaslighting me because he kept saying things like, oh my God, I love you. I want to marry you. You're the only person I want to be with by the way, I cheated on you on Saturday. I was like, wait a minute. Uh." (laughs) And then he'd be like, but I love you. And I only want to be with you. And I want to be with you 
oh, by the way, I came home and there was a girl sleeping in my bed and I fell into her, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I would be like, I'd be like, I felt crazy at the end of the day because his intentions or the things he was saying to me didn't match his actions. And, and that's, yeah, I don't think it was like gaslighting in the way that we define gaslighting, but it was a distant cousin of it. Um, and so when his first, I don't know, couple infidelities came out, <laughs> I, I first, I honest to God, Sam, I looked up like a wiki how to get over cheating page, like with it, <laughs> with illustrations, because I don't nice, know, I was nice. desperate and I didn't have just wake up podcast and I was desperate. Um, and I wanted the cliff notes of how I could make this work. Um, and mm -hmm. not hurt so much. And one of the steps that I found empowerment in was that it's if you want to stay with this partner and like make it work afterwards, it's completely acceptable to have requests of them, including to cut the person they cheated on you with out of their life. And mm. I have um, new feelings about that now, like years after this infidelity um, that I'll get into. But at the time, that made me feel really empowered because I really was just, I think I was desperate for anything, anybody, even a fucking WikiHow page to tell me that it was okay for me to hurt and to expect better of my, the person who said that they loved me. And so I was like, oh, sweet. Don't talk to that girl anymore. Like cut that person out of your life. Right. Not unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think that's unreasonable, but, but my mm -hmm. new feelings about it are that that is reasonable, right. To ask the person to no longer see the person they cheated on you with, like pretty, pretty, pretty understandable. But I think that I was so, I was so hurting and, and desperate for control over a situation that made me feel powerless and hurt and little and stupid that I began to like mistreat my partner. And to this day, I regret that. Mm. I regret being, um, I got, I became a toxic version of myself because I was so desperate to try to make, um, it all make sense and to not hurt anymore and to not be hurt by this person anymore. And so mm -hmm. I became very controlling and, and paranoid and anxious in that relationship. Um, and giving me that little bit of control of saying, you can't talk to that person. I took that and I ran with it, um, because it, because it made me feel better. Right. And instead of looking inward, instead of, instead of looking at what I can control about myself and my behavior, I, I turned to him and thought, what can I control about him and his behavior mm -hmm. that will prevent him from hurting me again? Now right. that is like not a very solid business model. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would say that at the end of the day, looking back, I can, I can confidently say, even in the moment, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember saying this out loud to like you and him that, I wanted all of the pain and embarrassment of him cheating on me multiple times and the, the struggle that we were going through to make it work. I wanted it to be worth it. I wanted it to mean yeah. something. So that meant, oh my God, this partner that promised me forever cheated on me, but we have to make it through this or else all of this is a joke. It's a, sh it's a sham. I've wasted all this time. And mm. I think that I was paying too much attention to trying to make it make sense or trying to put a purpose behind my pain to actually notice how I, how I actually felt in the relationship, which was unfulfilled, unhappy, unstable, toxic, right. you know? 
Um, so I would say to people trying to build trust after infidelity, the first thing is to check in with yourself, check in with what would make you truly happy. And I'm talking, there's a happiness in somebody crawling on their knees, trying to ask you, beg you for forgiveness. (laughs) I, I was like fed off of that for a couple mm-hmm. months with my partner, right? Like, oh man, it's so nice that he's fucking groveling because it 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 makes me feel better. But the 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 uh like humbling thing to admit is that that was a surface level feel better because at the end of the day I still felt like shit. Um yep. I felt like shit that he was groveling. I felt like shit that I couldn't make him happy, that he couldn't make me happy. That I I was like constantly trying to heal a wound that I was in that I was continually ripping the scab off of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so at the end of the day, I had to sit with it and say, do I feel safe, nourished, healthy in this relationship? Like do do I truly want to stay stay or am I clinging to something because I need to give it this pain a purpose. Yeah. That being said, I, I do totally think that, that you can stay together after infidelity. I think Sam and I's experiences are a little tainted because we were with people who were ill fitted to us for us at the time, at the place, you know, whatever, you know, we just, sure. we weren't meant the, to be with those people. Yeah. And I think part of the problem was that you and I were both focusing on like, proxies for the behavior Mm -hmm. like you were focused on like he needs to text me or call me every single night right or i was focused on like he needs to respond to my calls when i call him and he's out right right but that wasn't like that's not what the issue was like the issue was is that like both of our partners were obviously like really struggling with monogamy or there was like right there was something about our relationships that was like really unhealthy and toxic and this was like or unfulfilling to them yeah Right. And that was like the, the external symptom of this bigger thing. But, and you and I, in those moments focused on like the symptom, like how do we, Mm -hmm. how do we keep the symptoms from coming up as opposed to like addressing really what was happening in the relationship, which for both of us was that we needed to dump those assholes (laughs) and find people who are actually trustworthy Mm -hmm. and like committed to wanting to be with us. Mm -hmm. Um, because and, again, let's go back to the lesson, <laughs> the life lesson, which is it's really easy to trust someone who's a, who's a trustworthy person. <laughs> For sure. Like, but I also think, yeah, I, but not, if you have a relationship where infidelity has happened, but the underlying foundation of that relationship is healthy, right? I think that makes it so much easier to be able to address like the issue rather than the symptom. Yeah. Because that the issue of us was like, our relationships were just unhealthy to the core. Like he was not a good person for me. Right. Um, But I continued to not look at that and instead look at the behavior that he was exhibiting and trying to control that as opposed to realizing I needed to dump his ass and find someone who was not awful. And and what I meant by trustworthy person too is because you're right. It's not, it's not that they are not trustworthy people to in the right scenario. Um, It's that Mm -hmm. a relationship there there has to be something said about certain compatibilities, like not just like, oh, you're a water sign and I'm a fucking whatever sign that is compatible <laughs> to that. But like, mm-hmm. a, are we at the right place in our lives to sustain to sustain a mutual goal? You know what I mean? Or a mutual mm-hmm. 
or whatever. So it's not necessarily about being trustworthy, but it's like, it's really easy to trust in a healthy, stable relationship, period, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in an unhealthy, unstable relationship, it's difficult. I also want to say like, if your relationship, if you feel like you're trying to jam a square shaped block into a circle hole, (laughs) like if that's what your relationship feels like. Sexually or? (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) that then then it's it's just not right like you're you're working too hard not that it doesn't take work but like the work that i that i exuded in this the 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 unfaithful relationship i have not i have not done work that even looks remotely similar to that work in my current relationship you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think it's like are you working to plug the holes on the sinking ship or are you working to like improve the ship so that it like gets you where you want to go? Right. Right. right? Um, and like, that's, that is the difference <laughs> between like the type of work that you put in. Cause if you're like trying to get your partner to stop cheating on you over and over again, like that's not like bringing you closer to your goal. Right. That's like keeping you from going under. Going with that metaphor, my last relationship, I was like holding a piece of driftwood and I was like, this is a ship. I swear to God. (laughs) I swear to God. It it fucking floats. And, you know. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, he decided (laughs) that he was going to take up the whole door and was going to push you into the ocean at the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thanks, you dick. Oh, God. You love the fact that he broke up with me. I love it too. Um, I love it too because it's like it's just so unswallowable. <laughs> like I just I choke to this day thinking about that. <laughs> that he dumped me the audacity. Okay, anyway. <laughs> he's such a such a wonderful person. Uh, well, he's such a wonderful lesson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean that so genuinely. Um, okay, but Okay, so to, so pieces of advice, like Sam and I have not done this successfully. So like this is a perfect example of like how we are not qualified to answer this. However, I, I would say um, I, I would really suggest that if there's been a there's been a infidelity, I, I think that people should take a sustained break from one another um, because we do really need time away from each other to see the forest for the trees or whatever the Mm. line is meaning you, Mm -hmm. you can't um, I'm afraid that you, that like if I had taken the time to actually assess my wounds, to assess the holes in the ship or the driftwood or whatever, I would realize like that's not a sustainable boat to sail. But instead I was like, Oh my God, I need you to fix my wounds immediately. I need you to make this better. I need you to make me feel better. Tell me that we're not sinking. Tell me we're not sinking. Tell me you didn't just drill another 50 holes in this boat instead of taking time apart to like personally assess. So I would suggest taking a sustained break from that person because you know what? The, The person who cheated might need that break too, to be like, why did I do this? What, what, what do I miss? What do I need? You know? So, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other like suggested points other than the ideas that we talked about or like specific points? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really difficult to, to talk about this, um, because it is so much outside of your control Mm -hmm. in terms of like whether or not the relationship works. Right. Um, like you can make sure that your partner 
you know, apologizes, acknowledges the way that they've hurt you and make a commitment to changing, right? But you can never, at the end of the day, force that person to make that commitment to change, right? So it's, it is hard to, to say like, this is the exact formula that's going to get you past infidelity, right? Because it could, it, it could happen again, right? So I think that the, the important thing is to recognize that like, you have to be right with yourself to say like, if this person cheats on me again, I know my self-worth. I know that this is an unacceptable behavior that we've both agreed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's time for, and I will be okay if this person cheats on me and I am forced to leave them. Right. Um, and that's a really hard place to be in, but it gives, it puts the power back in your court. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like if the person is cheating and, but what, but you have the ability to like hold them accountable for their actions by leaving them or by saying you don't have access to all of the amazing things I bring to this relationship anymore. Like that is the way that you regain the power in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in like a ultimatum way, but like a little bit, like, yeah, but don't, don't cheat on me or I'm going to leave you is yeah. like a very acceptable ultimatum and like boundary to put. Yeah. On. Yeah. Totally. Don't get drunk on that power though. Like it's better to just step away. Um, well, cause you, but in I that got, situation, you weren't you weren't drunk on the power. You were drunk on the bandaid. The, right, you were drunk on like the faux control that you had. Right, but the but true really cruel, the control yeah. that you had, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, was that you should he have left been me. like, <laughs> right? Like you have control over how much access he has to you. Yeah, and that is like the only thing that you really have control over yeah. in a relationship. Yeah. You can't control what he does. Right, but when he grovels and th- makes you think you have control, yeah. That does feel pretty good though. So like, don't confuse those two types of control. (laughs) But I I do want to clarify to you, Sam and I definitely believe that you can rebuild trust after infidelity. Our experiences Mm -hmm. are definitely tainted by your own, you know, our opinions are tainted by our own experiences, but we were DM'd an awesome resource that I definitely co-sign. Somebody, one of our followers, skizzle1 on Instagram, DM'd us about Esther Perel's book, State of Affairs. And she said that it's Mm -hmm. fantastic and we should use it as a blind date. Um, And it's all about rebuilding trust after infidelity. And Esther Perel is an amazing um, couples therapist. She has a super uh, great podcast. What's it called? So where to begin or... Yeah, where do we begin? Yeah, Um, it's a great podcast where she actually, as a couples counselor, like a real one, not like Sam and I, (laughs) um, (laughs) she interviews to, uh, she interviews a couple and, and, or like, you know, walks them through an issue. So I definitely suggest the podcast and the book State of Affairs if you want help rebuilding trust after infidelity. Cool. Awesome. Should we get into our letters? Yes, please. Awesome. Our first letter comes from Josh Tillman, who is writing from Chateau Lobby number four, which is a Father John Misty reference, in case you were wondering. Way to go, Josh. Cute. All right, Josh writes, our genuine words or your genuine words of encouragement and ability to relate to other situation has convinced me to ask you for advice, and I truly hope that you will respond. I know you must receive countless of these submissions, but I hope that I'm one of the lucky ones. One statement that has stood out to me from your podcast was from one of your early episodes. You guys talked about how we will all endure terrible dates and that's okay. Rejection too. Rejection is okay too. You simply accept it and move on. But I have found myself in one situation where I do not know how to move forward. I've met a few people and gone on a few dates. I just haven't had that feeling with any of them, to be honest. 
It wasn't until I matched with a certain girl on Tinder. We can simply refer to her as the girl. We met up and within that first meetup, I felt it. That feeling, I knew it. I'll be honest with you guys. We did attempt to hook up. Attempt? Yes, attempt. Here's where the issues come up. I couldn't get myself to, quote, get it up. Of course, I was embarrassed and so was she. But she expressed a sentiment of understanding. We stopped and just proceeded to lay with down with each other. She fell asleep with my arm around her, and it was one of the best feelings I've had in a while. I don't know why I couldn't get it up. Before meeting up, she followed me on Twitter, and she's honest and open about her sexual experiences on there. I read a few tweets, and I knew if we made it to the point of sex, I would be worried about my performance because I didn't want to disappoint her. Anyways, I left that night, and she texted me the next day. I like you, by the way. I can already tell. Hmm. A sigh of relief came from me because I thought, yes, there is still a chance after what happened. We met up again a couple of weeks later, and it happened again. I couldn't get it up. At that point, I knew we needed to talk about it up front. She said she still she understood, but also that it made her feel like shit, and she felt like I wasn't attracted to her. I tried my best to explain to her why I couldn't, while also trying to convince her I do like her. She simply said she was going to bed, and while we both hesitated on leaving, on me leaving, she walked out at some point. I could feel her watch me leave instead of closing the door, if that makes sense. When I got home, I asked when I could see her again. She replied much later on the next day, answering back, whenever you can, I'm down. I told her my day's off, and she, and whenever she could, just let me know. No response. I texted her again, just saying, let's hang out tomorrow. No response. Rejection. A part of me wants to send another message as a last shot, saying and trying to convince her I do like her, but another part of me knows it's probably best to leave it and not to persist or bother her. I don't feel the need to try and talk to other people. I don't feel like it now. My question and hope of advice for you guys is, should I attempt one more time to reach out? But if not, how do I go about getting over this? I know that this might sound dramatic, but after all this, I feel like I'm not worthy to talk to others. I feel terrible about myself. I know it's dramatic, but it's how I feel. Sam and Sierra, I love your podcast. Thank you, and I wish you guys the best. Congratulations on your engagement, Sierra. Aw, thank you so much. I feel like I get to relive it every time you guys congratulate me. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so uh, why don't you take the lead? As a person with a penis? <laughs> well, I'm not going to assume your genitals because, you know, we, we do a lot of genital assumption, you know, in our mm-hmm. culture. We do. It, uh, we do. <laughs> and I definitely haven't seen you naked because you won't even show me your butt. So <laughs> uh, I didn't grow up in a naked house. So <laughs> listen, just because my parents are hippies and my middle name is Fawn doesn't uh. mean you can. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't show me your butt. Okay, continue. Uh, and also, like, I've talked about my penis, so it does exist. Yes, okay, okay, yes, you're right. <laughs> I can't tell you a single thing about Restart. it, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay. I just want to, I wanted to to talk about this letter because I really wanted the opportunity to um, reduce some of the stigma or at least like talk about the stigma that comes with not being able to get it up. Um, and I, yeah, not just the stigma, but like it exists. It happens to every person with a penis <laughs> period. Sure this does. is not like a, 
Um, this is not an uncommon experience, yet we, because of stigma, we talk about it as though it is. Same thing with like vaginal discharge, like sorry to mm-hmm. switch genitals, but um, that's just a thing that exists in every body. Right. With a, or like with a queefing or like right, right. not being able to like be wet. Like all of these things yeah. are are like things that are outside of our rational control, right? Like basically, our bodies <laughs> go by their own if you, if you have a body, you will be disappointed and embarrassed by it at some point in your life. <laughs> and if you haven't yet already, well, congratulations, you're a That's robot. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, but I just think it like... It speaks to you. It's just one of those prime examples for me of the ways in which the patriarchy also impacts men, right? And yes. And we talk all the time on this podcast and elsewhere about how the patriarchy sucks and subjugates women. Our text messages. Yeah. And just everywhere I go. Um, And the way in which it deeply impacts women and, and like constrains them and all of that awful stuff. Oppresses them. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also really fucks up men too, right? And yes, the idea that men, yeah, the why? idea that men are expected to be virile, to be able to perform sexually at the drop of a hat, are required to always be horny, right? Um, mm-hmm. And to to not want to have sex or to not be able to have sex is somehow makes you a bad man, like makes right. you inadequate in your masculinity, and therefore as a human is just really fucked up. And the fact yeah. that we can't have these conversations and the fact that like your sexual performance in bed is causing you so much shame that you like can't get past it just goes to prove that this system that we're operating under isn't working for anyone. <laughs> yes. I want to say another general statement before you continue, like, you know, in a, in the same way that like your body will disappoint and embarrass you, there's no wrong way to be a gender There's no, Mm -hmm. you cannot be a bad woman or a bad man or the myriad of other genders that we know exist. Um, There's no way to have, there's no bad way to have gender, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, therefore, there's not a, like, the idea that the patriarchy sets up is that there is one way to be a man and there's one way to be a woman. And if you live anywhere in between any of that, uh, you're failing. And that's just not real. Mm -hmm. Okay, continue. Sorry. (laughs) No. I'm I'm with you. So I just wanted to say to you, Josh, like this happens. This happens yes. all the time. It is not a marker of your ability to please people. It is not a marker of your your ability as a man. It is just a thing that your body did to you that was outside of your control and that has no bearing on who you are and who yeah. you desire. Even like thinking, like breaking down the syntax of that sentence, or, or um, I would say it's something that your body did, not something that your body did to you. Cause although you, you mentally have put, have imbued it with an, with negativity, but your mm-hmm. body doesn't care. Your body, <laughs> your body's like not trying to hurt you or disappoint you. Your body's just doing what bodies do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are the ones in our mental capacity that have the ability to hurt ourselves with our That's anxiety, right. with our expectations of ourselves. Yeah. Um, but I also just want to say like, I totally get it. Uh, and this has honestly happened to me uh, with a man who we called hot <laughs> uh, because he was real hot. Uh, uh, can you bleep like, the name Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like hot beep. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but we he was like really hot and i uh felt like he was out of my league which again not a thing Mm -mm. but a thing that we tell each other Mm -hmm. and ourselves um and like very similar situation was like wow this guy's really hot also like he talked uh, during the date about how like the last guy he hooked up with like couldn't get it up and he was just like so disappointed in that and then of course we tried to hook up and i like couldn't perform (laughs) and was just like mortified um yeah and i was mortified in a way that i hadn't been mortified for a long time like i was i became like a groveling like oh my god i'm so sorry oh my god this is so embarrassing like you're not gonna like me like all of this stuff just like triggered immediately even though at that point like i had been like going to therapy and was like feeling good about myself like Mm -hmm. That moment of not being able to perform in front of this person that I thought was like so cool and so far outside of my league was literally humiliating for me. Mm. Like that feeling of shame was like, oh, I, hate I haven't that experienced you that, that word humiliation in, like, in years. Like I felt humiliated. It was, oh my God. it was awful. And like, this was not the first time that I had like not performed sexually right. I had sort of come to terms with like, okay, well that was just like, not nah, that's great sex. And like, I right. was really drunk that night. So maybe I shouldn't have been having sex in the first place, <laughs> but, <laughs> but this time was just like, yeah. I was just, I felt Anxious. that, yeah, heavy level of anxiety. So like, I, I feel you in how difficult it feels like it is to get through how embarrassing and humiliating this feels. But it's not embarrassing or humiliating. It is a thing that happens. And that happens to people all of the time. I wonder if we can talk about humiliation for a second. Because like you use that word and like something like panged inside me. Um, And and you yourself just said, but that situation wasn't embarrassing or humiliating. I think think the important thing to point out is that like, again, we are the only ones that can truly hurt ourselves. Because if Mm -hmm. we don't believe a situation is humiliating, then all of a sudden it's not humiliating. But if we believe Mm -hmm. it, if we believe that we are inadequate, like humiliation, I just wanted to stop and point out that that it comes from our thought process. It doesn't come from the thing itself, um, Mm -hmm. which is the first step in kind of like disempowering the things around us that are making us feel shitty is changing our, our thought, our thought beliefs about it and also like you know being um uh empathetic to ourselves giving ourselves space to to process and understand like josh you were under such pressure sam just said it like like can you imagine someone being like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna need you to do a perfect cartwheel the last person who didn't do a perfect cartwheel (laughs) and i spit in their face and i left you know and you're like Mm -hmm. oh my god how can i do a cartwheel perfectly right now like i better do it perfectly i'm gonna point my toe and i'm going to jazz hands my fingers and i'm gonna make sure that my legs are perfectly apart like and all of a sudden you're thinking so much about how to do the thing that you're not letting yourself do letting your body do what it knows how to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sometimes... Or that your body doesn't want to do in that moment, right? Right, like, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes pressure supersedes the excitement of the moment. Um, yeah. Like pre- the pressure to perform, all of a sudden you're you're looking at all the details around, you're feeling all of your anxiety um, and and mounting excitement. And, and instead of enjoying, instead of being present, you... Uh, you get wrapped up in your head or war or whatever. For sure. So, and I also think it, 
it relates to our exclusionary definition of what sex is too, yes. right? Like if sex requires an erect penis in order to happen, right? Then I'm then fucked. Like, <laughs> then we have left out swaths of people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, so figuring out how to how to change this idea of what intimacy and like hooking up means to incorporate all sorts of different signs of affection and attraction, uh, I think also mitigate some of this shame and embarrassment that comes with like, if I don't have the erect penis, then the sex is not happening. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was looking up performance anxiety before we recorded this thing. And I kind of like jotted down a couple of bullet points that I thought were really um, important. And just like Sam was saying, first one is there are so many different ways to have intimacy and there's honestly so many different ways to have sex. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Like, thank you, Sierra for the past 10 years for figuring that out because in the (laughs) beginning, in the beginning of my sexual life, I was like, this sucks. (laughs) Um, But uh, so it sounds like you guys, that you tapped into that a little bit, Josh, on your first date where you held each other and fell asleep and you said that that felt really good. But also, you know, so there's like, there are the non-sexual forms of intimacy, cuddling, talking, taking a naked bath together, a naked bath as though it would be clothed <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> a shower together. Um, a naked shower or in your yeah. bathing suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's also so many different ways to have sex. Like, let me be the first to advocate for mutual masturbation or oral Mm. sex or digital sex, which is not having sex with robots, but with your fingers. But you could also have sex with robots like vibrators. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or sex robots. Wow. Those are those are getting really real. (laughs) They are getting really real. I saw a picture of one and was like, it was just too uncanny valley for me where I was like, you look too much like a person, but not quite enough. Yes, totally. Have you ever met someone like that where you're like you look like a person impersonating a robot, impersonating a person. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like when people, like when celebrities are like so attractive that they become like not real people and you're like, you're no longer attractive to me. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Anyway. um, Okay. So that's the first thing, Josh is, uh, okay. So, so like, and I don't mean to scoff off your, your um, performance, um, but you know, there, another way you can look at that this is, oh, so I didn't get it up. So what? I have two good hands and I have a good ass mouth. And um, and there are so many different ways that we can experience pleasure with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Another suggestion I had, something that would totally blow my skirt up, a phrase that I taught Sam yesterday, <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> Is okay, so you're experiencing some performance anxiety in bed with the partner. One, just acknowledge what's going on. I mean, I think that that is sexy in itself, like being vulnerable, being open. And, and like you might scoff at this and be like, oh my God, what person thinks it's sexy? But let me tell you, if somebody came to me in an intimate moment and said, like, just you know, I've been experiencing s- some of this and I would be really embarrassed if it happened around you, but it might. And I just want you to know that it has nothing to do with my attraction with you, that I, um, that I really want to be with you. I'm present right now, but this is something that I'm dealing with right now. And maybe you can support me in that. I'd be like, show wing. (laughs) Skirt up. There's the wind blowing it. (laughs) I'd be 
were like, oh my God, you're being honest and vulnerable with me. Yes. Um, oh my but God. the second thing is like in like an extension of talking about it is, you know, what's really hot. It's like talking with your partner about what you like, what feels mm. good. Um, mm. I don't fucking know what porn you watch. Like, um, talking about sexuality with your partner can sometimes just be, be just as stimulating as foreplay. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would encourage you to maybe like not just panic, um, and, and, you know, clam up, uh, the next time that this happens, but instead be like, you know, what do you like? What feels good to you? Like, uh, and then maybe something, something will come of that. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, Sierra's first point, um, I can tell you that I have used that practice before and it's actually been pretty effective. Like telling Um, people? Yeah. Where like I, in my, in my past when I would have sex with people I met once, um, Right, would like Hi, have Sue. difficult. Right? <laughs> Hi, <Yeah>. mom. <laughs> I really hope you're listening to this episode, mom, because I've been talking about so many things that you probably don't want to know. Um, Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we are literally recording this on Mother's Day. Uh, um, was that like I would always have trouble like getting off with people when yes, I did when, for the first time. Like it would just like it just wouldn't happen. Or the twentieth um, time, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, but eventually I just learned to say like when we were getting into it, like, Hey, uh, I'm really into you and I'm like really enjoying this. This is awesome. I don't usually get off with people like the first time that I sleep with them. So like, let's just not even like try that. But like, if you like, I want you to get off, like, I want to be with you. Like, I want to keep like doing these wonderful things with you, but like giving ourselves permission to like decenter the orgasm from like, as like the end goal of the sex uh, actually just like took a lot of relief, I think off of me and also the people mm-hmm. that I was with, because then it didn't become like, we have to perform. We have to, we both have to orgasm or else like, mm-hmm. this is a failure of sex, but failure. me just taking it off, right. Me just taking it off the table and being like, I don't need to get off because like, it's probably not going to happen, but I want you to, if you want to, but like, also let's just keep going and see where things go. And then to be honest, sometimes if I said that, I would get off because like, totally. I took the pressure off. <laughs> that's I. That's why I want absolutely. Um, I'm so glad you admitted that because that, that's what I see happen. Like once you disempower the thing oppressing you, then it has no control over you. And then whatever absolutely. can happen. Not that you're gonna like perform all the time, but but you've dethroned the thing that you're afraid of. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. also, like I never had a person be like, no to me. Like I yes. never had a person oh God, reject so me because of that. Right. Like every time the person was like, okay, cool. I get it. Right. I'm so Which glad maybe you shared because that. I was like a man having sex with men who had similar experiences with their genitals. I well, but. I don't know anyone. And granted, I don't know all of my friends like sexual dynamics, but I don't know someone who'd be like, uh, no, thank you. Like, please don't go down on me. <laughs> well, well, that's not, that's not true. Like I do know some people, uh, some women particularly who are uncomfortable with it or, or who don't get off that way. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's their problem. <laughs> uh. Whatever. Um, anyway, um, I don't think that I would be turned off by that because I would also be, but then I would be very like, um, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like I, I experienced a similar thing is that like, I typically don't get off from certain types of sex. Like I don't get mm-hmm. off from penetrative sex. And therefore, you know, back in my twenties before I knew that I could bring vibrators into my sex life, or I don't know, have sex with people I actually enjoy having sex with. Um, <laughs> I would always have to say like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get off from this, you know? So God, mm-hmm. this is a very sexual, in- <laughs> honest <Seriously>. episode. <laughs> okay, it definitely great. Definitely is. Yeah. So let's answer the last question before we move on. Josh wants mm. to know if we sh- if if he should hit up this girl again. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. You know, sending the last. I love the Hail, Hail Mary text um, where you like throw the long shot and see if it lands. <laughs> I don't know but, what a Hail Mary is, but <laughs> but but. <laughs> You trying to like I your hand motion like your throwing motion. Yeah, but then that like that has to be the end of it, right? Like I'm not opposed to you being like, hey, just putting it out here. I know things are weird. I but I really like you. Would love to to do it again. Um, and then like letting it lie. Yeah, um, not do like, if that it needs again. to be your, like, yeah, or <laughs> do it again. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And have talk a about it. Vulnerable conversation about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I and I, but the the one thing I would add to this is something that you said the other day when we were talking about this letter, which was um, that that like, do you want to be with somebody who disengaged with you so quickly over something so human? Yeah, yeah, and so vulnerable too, right? Yeah, like, and that's why that's why when hot <laughs> or whatever was like, <laughs> uh was like, we should be friends. I was like so relieved because I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to keep putting myself in vulnerable positions with this person who is having difficulty being vulnerable with me. It was like making my vulnerability feel like a weakness um, when I know that it's not. Mm. Uh, So I, that would be my concern is that you've already like, and this woman didn't humiliate you, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to cast aspersions on her, mm-hmm. but I don't think that she showed up in a way that made you feel seen and empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's hard to get over when that's like your first two interactions with her. Yeah. Um, and also like to the, to the humiliation point, um, I promise you, Josh, that in six months, a year, three years from now, this will just be a blip on your timeline. That's the, mm-hmm. that is moments of embarrassment and humiliation. They ha- they have the virality or the toxicity or the sharpness that we give them. Right. And if you, mm-hmm. and if you let go of this situation, it's no longer going to like burn the way it burns now, you know? That's right. Unless you start a podcast with your best friend and then have to talk about it again, and then you'll just get shame echoes and, and start like sweating shame and your heart will start palpitating oh my every God. time you talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Josh, we hope this helps. We love you and your body. Um, thanks so much for writing. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says Quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. This next letter is from Ikaramba, who is writing to us from The Void. Dear Sam and Sierra, I hope you and anyone listening from the Facebook podcast group know just how much of a difference this community makes in our messy world. Thank you for being vulnerable and true. Now it's time for my own mess. I'm a straight, cisgendered, 24-year-old female. I have been in only one real relationship that lasted three and a half years, and it ended one year ago this month. My focus this past year has been on me and my health, but I've let in a few select new friends and lovers as well. I became a close friend with a female coworker shortly after my breakup. Let's call her H. 
She is a lesbian, cisgendered, 20-year-old female. I have never experienced a bond quite like this before. The first conversation we ever had was more vulnerable than any I had with my ex. And from there, we were like two peas in a pod. I feel like I should include the fact that a couple years before, I crossed paths with her at work and thought, hmm, I feel like she's going to be a part of my life someday. Because I love hippie woo-woo bullshit like that. We literally finished each other's sentences, y'all. I saw her almost every day outside of work, and we even took a trip out of the country together. H and I are total opposites, but this definitely balances our friendship. She's fire, and I'm water. She's gay, and I'm straight. Right? I have never been this close with someone who is a part of the LGBTQ community. So when she began telling me that she wished I was gay, I thought it was a common topic among friends of different sexualities. Maybe it is. We laughed at the idea of us being romantic because we're such good friends. But my other friends questioned our closeness. Looking back on the beginning of our friendship, I realized that the sexual tension between us was thick. H is someone uh, that I've feel comfortable being my authentic self around. So we bonded over our deepest and darkest secrets. We even spent one night laughing at the weirdest porn I've ever seen in my life. And I do not recommend anyone to do this. Honestly, I was attracted to the way she made me feel. I felt safe, accepted, and loved. I, however, am a professional denier. I continue to deny my instincts by telling myself things like, I'll never date anyone young and immature again like my last relationship, and I'm not gay. For me, our friendship was like a yo-yo, constantly being pulled by gravity. In this case, gravity was my intuition, I am the yo-yo, and my ego was the string. I have always questioned my sexuality, but I've never felt the desire to be with another woman before H. I am writing this amidst a pandemic, and I haven't seen H in a month due to quarantine. Recently, we have communicated very rarely via messaging, and when we do, it feels so different. She has become distant. She started dating this lovely girl a few weeks ago, and I feel like I'm being pushed aside so that she can nurture this new relationship. Being in isolation has allowed me to look deep within myself and what I've found scares the shit out of me. I'm wildly uninterested in pursuing any other male love interest in my life at the moment and I want to be with H. So I guess my questions are these. How do I determine if I want to be with H as a friend or as a lover? Am I just acting out because she stopped giving me attention? I feel like such a horrible person because I'm finally acknowledging my inner voice now that she has entered a new relationship and I could never forgive myself for getting in the way of that. Thank you guys for giving me the space to organize my thoughts. I hope you are able to make time for wellness during this surreal time. All right, Ikaramba, thank you so much for writing. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll dive in. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, come through, bisexual woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dive in and I'll say I just want to point a couple things out to you before we before we go into this little advice journey. You typed out the actual sentences, quote, I have always questioned my sexuality. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I want to be with H. <laughs> yeah. What? <sighs> Look at those two statements that you just made. <laughs> this is literally a perfect example of how you all know exactly w- what to do. You just, I mean, it's a, it's the most human thing ever to to want other humans to echo something back to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. Uh, okay. But moving on, um, I want to tell you right now, 
that you don't have to be gay to be with age and you don't mm-hmm. have to be straight and yep. you don't have to be bisexual. You don't have yep. to be pansexual. You don't have to be anything other than a human, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, that you might be a hundred percent straight, except for this one person, and that's that's right. And that doesn't delegitim- delegitimize your attraction to this person, mm-hmm. or who knows? Maybe you're a big homo like Sam. <laughs> 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 Sorry, uh-huh. I can say that. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say it about me, but like I am not. I'm not gay. I need you to know that I remember that I am. Um, engaged about to marry a woman and I am not gay, right? I barely consider myself bisexual. Um, But I, uh, one thing I want to add before I let you jump on this, Sam, is that I, um, there was like an awesome conversation in the just break up private Facebook group, which um, the letter writer mentioned, which you all can join um, in which somebody wrote something about like, you know, experiencing new feelings as a queer person and wanting to like come out as a lesbian, yada, yada. And I, 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 this is several months ago, but I commented something like you're having a human, you're human, having a human experience, just enjoy it, you know? And that was like, I think fine advice. And it was coming from my, (laughs) I mean, like it, it wasn't like hurtful or anything. Um, but it was coming from my experience that I struggled for so long because I thought that a label would give me a sense of legitimacy. And I realized that a label doesn't give me that I do. I give myself Mm -hmm. legitimacy and that a label can just um, be a community. It can be, it can give people a language um, and it can, but it can totally give people empowerment because somebody commented very lovingly to me, like, yes, that's true. You know, they are a human having a human experience, but like labels can really help. And so I just wanted to put both of those caveats in there is that like, you don't have to be anything, but you also can be something <laughs> that labels right. can yeah. give us a lot of um, empowerment. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Right. Like labels are a tool that we can have in our toolbox, but they might not be the right tool for right now. Right. And right. Or, and or, that- or not forever. You know, like I think I was bisexual for the most of my life, but now I'm like, you know what? I feel way better just being nothing. <laughs> I feel way better just being like myself, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I realized that my quest for a label was hurting me, but that's my journey, you know? For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I will say, um, I, that they're like that. I know someone who is a hundred percent straight, except for one man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just because that one man came into his life and was like exactly what he needed. Uh, and he was like, cool, this is it. And they're together, have been for years and years. Uh, but the man who is in a relationship with another man still identifies as straight, except for this person, which I think... I love humans. Speaks, right? Which I think speaks to... Um, I think it speaks to the complicated nature that that attraction brings to the table right and and that it is like i think it's hard enough to figure out who we're attracted to with else without also trying to figure out like who we are who we are right (laughs) like Uh, so so for like what's i think what's really challenging about this for you right now i is that like you are finding yourself wanting to be with this person not really knowing what that looks like or what it means and then also being like 
And does that mean that I'm a different person than I was three yes. days ago? Oh my God. Yes, Sam. Right. And the reality is, is that like, no, you're the same person, right? This attraction is, is, is something that is unexpected for you, but you are still I, the I you were three days ago. Right. And the I you are now. But, but um, we, we become who we are with experience and self-exploration. Mm-hmm. Right. But that doesn't mean we're like, yes, yeah, Sam and I are unrecognizable from our 20 you know, sloppy drunk year old selves. Um, but <laughs> those we, are the days. <laughs> <laughs> but we are the same person inherently in that mm-hmm. we are constantly becoming ourselves. And that's right. that and yep. that's what you're experiencing right now. Um like another weird sexual tidbit, um, and maybe this is just because I was talking about porn earlier and I Karamba mentioned it is that so many queer people I know watch exclusively heterosexual porn. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that's like the per- that's like the perfect like little small like microcosm of sexuality and desire that sometimes our desires aren't like our sexual fantasies don't match our actual sexual preferences. Um mm. and there I think I suggested it as a blind date and if i didn't like uh did. yeah that what is it the documentary um the mm-hmm. docu series about sexuality um i don't remember the name of it I, um and it was so fascinating about like this it, it had statistics of like what do people fantasize about versus what do they actually like to do etc you know um and desire and sexuality are so different and sometimes they're they're different you know sometimes they're they're separate from one another. Um, so yeah, uh, you are, you are sticking, sticking your toes into the very complicated, nuanced, um, non-binary and fluid world of desire. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So I guess like with that question set aside, let's like erase gender from this situation and say like, okay, I want to, I think I want this friend, here, I'll, I'll tell you the story of this relationship, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, this person was really good to me. You know, like we had, we, we created vulnerability, um, affection, uh, good feelings in our r- friendship. Like they made me feel good. They made me feel safe. They made me feel like I could be myself around them. Um, but I never reciprocated it romantically because I just didn't feel the desire to at that time for whatever reason. And then um, the world went to shit and I got locked in my house and um, I haven't seen this person in a month. And now they're seeing somebody else. And that special, the way they made me feel is waning. Um, And I think it's because they're putting that injury towards someone else. What should I do? Should I hit them up and be like, no, you should be with me. Are my desires real? You know, because I, I do think there's something to be said about like, how are sometimes, and this is like maybe the most human thing, but our desires spike when we can no, ha- no longer have the thing we didn't totally want in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> that is real. And that that thing has always been me, apparently. Uh, <laughs> because the, let me tell you how most... many people broke up with me and then immediately wanted me back and would not take no for an answer. So mm, interesting. Um, okay, so so so, what do you think I Karamba should do in this scenario, separate of sexuality and gender? Well, I think um, 
I think I want to say to you that like your desires for this person are valid. Your feelings Mm -hmm. for this person are a hundred percent valid and your mourning of this relationship that has changed. Um, and this relationship that had a potential that now feels like it's gone, um, is a hundred percent valid. Right. Mm So I, I want you to not get lost in like the complicated nature of psychoanalyzing yourself right now. And just Mm. recognize that like, you are going through something where something that you had and you loved is now gone and a potential future that you had wanted or didn't really know that you wanted, but was mm-hmm. like on the table mm-hmm. uh, is now, is now gone. And that, that sucks. Like that is a painful thing to be going through. Um, and you are entitled to feel that pain. You are entitled to mourn that loss. Um, and just because there's a lot of complicated things in this, doesn't mean that any of it is less real or less valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you tend to err on the side of not just in this situation, but in general, like maybe don't hit up this person because now they're in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me. More. I would say, yeah, don't do it because yeah. I think because I even though they haven't established this boundary explicitly, I think that there's a boundary that gets established when people are in relationship with other people mm-hmm. um, that, that sort of, I think it's just, who is it benefit? Sorry. This is like, let me start seven sentences and not finish any of them. <laughs> Good. I'm I guess glad my question for you is that. like, <laughs> who is this benefiting? Right. Uh, like who is this in service to you telling you telling H about your relationship or your feelings for her? Um, because right now H is in another relationship and they seem happy. They are pursuing it. They are focused on that. Um, and you are the one that is hurting. So is telling them about your feelings in service to them and giving them the opportunity to to make a decision? Or is it in service to you, which is to say, like, I want to tell this person because I need to get it off my chest and I want them to know. Oh, my God. And that, I would. <laughs> sorry. That like triggered something real in me because I'm such I'm such a sucker for the like tell them how you feel thing. Like as we've discussed in other letters, um, because I'm a romantic and but you being like, is it in, like the phrase, the idea that that we could be telling people how we feel so that they are informed so that they can make the decision is the most real, most Gemini thing I ever do. Because I always uh, in the past, I always did that because I was like, they have a right to know. Cause then they can like make the right decision between this person that they love and have been with for four years. And me, this floozy <laughs> who wants to fucking ruin their life. <laughs> you know, like uh, that just like, I needed to, pinpoint that because it dragged me a little and you had no idea <laughs> uh no 99 percent of the advice i give to our our people is advice that i feel like i have given you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i remember and when myself. i was like and really myself. <laughs> um i remember when i like was developing a crush on somebody who was like in a long-term committed relationship and i was like oh it just sucks because like i have these and you're like yeah you know you can't act on this, right? <laughs> you were like, mm, that sucks. Hmm. <laughs> you had like no pity for me. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway, yes. So you were saying, who is it? Who is it benefiting? Um, right. Like who is it benefiting? And I think 
99% of the time, this in this situation, it's only benefiting you. And so and I would encourage you. And 1% of the time. <laughs> but let's not do things because of the 1% uh, of the time. I know, but I oh feel my God. so <laughs> Romantic comedies really fucked us up. <laughs> they really did because I'm, I, li- I, I see the rom-com in, in this letter. I'm like, oh my God, but they could, she could just write H and be like, listen, this whole time I didn't know it was right in front of me. Literally rom-com script, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so don't listen to me. I can but like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to your therapist, like tell your therapist about these feelings that you're having. Cause your therapist is paid to listen <laughs> and then you can yeah. get them off your chest. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like a tool right now because I for sure want the rom-com. I for sure. I'm like, <laughs> but uh, I think just having been the person who's been in a relationship and had people come out of the woodwork totally. and be like, oh my God, I wanted you. First of all, why didn't you want me when I was available to you? Yes, so yes, fuck yes. you. Secondly, how is this helping me in any way? Like I have, you know that I'm with this person. So like, what Counter- is, the, how is this benefiting me? <laughs> like, don't tell me this shit. I don't care. Go Counter- talk to your offer. friends about this. Counter offer. <laughs> I only knew what I knew when I knew it. And, and that, that is an undeniable thing in human experience is that like, yeah, timing is a bitch. And oftentimes it's late and makes me look like a dick. That being said, I caramba, I'm going to lean a little bit towards Sam and say like, maybe now, <laughs> now is not the time to do this. Um, maybe sit with these feelings, sit with what you're like, you know, here, here's the number one thing I got from this letter, honey, is that. Now you know what you want and deserve in a relationship. And guess what? It's not a woman. It's the feeling of feeling safe, loved, and accepted, which is what you said Mm -hmm. you felt. Like you Mm -hmm. now know that you have the A, capacity to be with someone who makes you feel like you can be your authentic self. And and you, you B, absolutely deserve that in all romantic relationships going forward. So now you know that this is the bar that is set, whether it's going to be H or not. And I think that's, that's really right. empowering. Like like people who see us and let us be seen, those are the biggest gifts in the world. And I, I mean, I think that's why I feel so close to Sam. Sam and I are incredibly similar and different in so many ways, but I feel mm-hmm. most kinship with him because he sees me and, and he lets me be seen. Right. And, and, mm. um, and yeah, he like, w- he witnesses me in my most authentic moments. So, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, like maybe send one text message, but no, don't, don't, don't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) My bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. I caramba. Oh, I, we love you. We love you so much. We hope that this helps. And hey, congratulations on continuing down this long journey into yourself. Quote, Rumi, Um, you're going to continue to discover more and more things about yourself. We are we are never set in stone. Our identities are always um, uh, growing and evolving and becoming. And I'm excited for you to continue this journey into yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for writing. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Karen Giver, who is writing (laughs) from Ontario, Canada. Get it? Caregiver. (laughs) Yeah, got it. Hi, Sierra and Sam. New listener here. And firstly, I want to say how much the show has meant to me in just the last week and a half since I found it. Mm. Your advice makes me want to lead with empathy, understanding and commitment to myself in every situation, relationship or otherwise, while also understanding that I can be a a chucklehead sometimes. (laughs) Chucklehead. I love that word. (laughs) Never heard it before. 
Me neither. And I can make mistakes, but allow myself to learn and grow and embrace imperfect. I'm 24, been in a couple serious relationships now, but I always feel like I'm the reason it all falls apart due to lack of communication over time. I got out of a two-year monogamous relationship about two months ago now, and I'm still hurting pretty hard. My partner was smart, beautiful, talented, driven, and energetic. I loved her and enjoyed the time we spent together, but the relationship itself was pretty rocky due to life. Ha! When does that happen? I have been going through a difficult time in feeling unsatisfied in my career and considering next steps, but also feeling like I had no direction to go in. Somewhere around nine months into our relationship, my partner lost her closest friend group in a rough fight where they didn't support her through a mental health crisis. And from there, things got more difficult for her. Moving houses, a recurring injury with her back, meaning she couldn't work, trauma in her living situation, advocating for her community, but also getting into a lot of internet fights because of it, were some of the main things, were some of the main things that happened. I loved her and wanted her to feel supported, understood, seen, and validated. But over time, I became burnt out in the relationship and ended it. A month and a half later, blaming myself entirely for how things ended and thinking if I just gave more time to the relationship and Mm. communicated when things were getting bad for me, things could change. I didn't really give thought to what I wasn't getting from her. So despite seven months of pretty good, I ended ended it again because I felt no matter how much I gave to the relationship, I wouldn't get enough back for myself. Despite me prioritizing her above my friends and my schedule, giving up work opportunities, helping her move, helping her with work, going to her house much more frequently than she came to mine, and planning dinners to cook for us, I never got the sense it was enough. And looking back, I didn't get validation in terms of I love yous, you're important in my life, I imagine how much you're doing for me, et cetera, mm. et cetera. I realized that I'm really big into words of affirmation. Me too. <laughs> Me, not so much. (laughs) With a lot of reflection, I realized I wasn't paying attention to my needs and wants and working to communicate and fight for them. Uh, The relationship became codependent and had almost no boundaries for me. I would constantly be worrying and fretting over how she was doing and if getting into fights, if she was getting into fights with people, if she was angry or sad, if she was eating enough. I had this feeling of not being supported in my difficulties, not being appreciated in how much of myself I was putting into the relationship and generally not getting the love and affection that pushes me forward in a relationship. In the end, I felt like a caregiver and a friend more than a partner in her life. It's hard to work through issues in a relationship when you feel like the amount of hard work and time you've been putting in is never enough. How do I make sure I communicate my needs without feeling like I'm just adding another thing and something that doesn't seem as important to their plate? How do I turn to my partner and just say wanting me around isn't enough for me? I need comfort and affection and validation for my actions in this relationship. Mm. If you're in this caretaking role, how do you stave off feelings of inadequacy in your actions to help them while respecting your own boundaries? And when you feel burnt out for after trying for so long to get back into a place of trust, appreciation, happiness, and security, how do you not withdraw from the relationship gradually until it all crumbles? I blame myself for a lot of these things, and I feel like I let her down, especially after getting back together, saying I would be different. I understand myself better now. Is there any point in talking to her about this? I worry I didn't give her a chance to understand what I needed and sabotage the whole thing twice. <laughs> Love you both. You are magnificent, marvelous, and maximally wise. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I appreciate that alliteration. So cute. Um, okay, so yeah. Lots going on here. That's um, right. Do you do you see codependency in here? Um I'm just curious. I I don't know that I do. Yeah. 
That's fine. Uh, but maybe. I feel like my understanding of codependency is very surface level. So, <laughs> mm, mm. Um, Well, I, 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 the only reason why I suggested that is I do see um, like a complicated relationship with being needed or like that that is um, mm-hmm. Karen's love language and um, or not love language, but like understanding of value. That's definitely what I've heard in this letter, Karen, that you feel like the way that you're kicking, like kicking yourself in the ass or feeling guilt over the way that your relationship um, didn't work. Like basically how you're um, punishing yourself for the fact that you didn't get what you wanted. And then you ask for what you or like, and that you, that you didn't get it. And so you ended the relationship, like tells me that there's some complicated relationship there. Maybe not codependency. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mm-hmm. I was just curious if that's where you were going to take it right away. Um, but, but to that, to the point that I started with, which is like, yeah, your relationship didn't work because it wasn't working. And, and it, it let's normalize, um, not sustaining things that don't sustain us. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's really real here. And I don't think that there was anything in this relationship that was really sustaining you besides mm. that need to feel yes. needed. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I think I think that we give like type two people, like the caregiver type people, a bum rap because we're like, oh, all you just need to you just need to feel needed. Mm. But I wanna say that I think that there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I think that the yes. need to feel needed is just a is a human thing that that maybe is more prevalent in some people than other people. But I don't think that like that need to feel needed is a bad thing, right? Like if right. that's what brings you joy, if that's what brings you peace, um, that's great. Like I love being able to help people. Like this is why we have this stupid podcast. It's because yes, like I agree. Sierra and I like helping people. And I feel like you and I are both equipped and it's in our nature to want to help, right? Totally. But I think that that need to feel needed can become really toxic really quickly mm. um, because if the only thing that you're getting out of relation- your relationship is that need, then it can become very one-sided very quickly. Yes. Comparably, I always think, you know, I, I consider myself an extrovert or an introverted extrovert. And for a long time, I felt a lot of shame over the fact that I was so um, incited by other people that like other people motivate me right Mm -hmm. in a way that I can struggle to motivate myself. And I felt a lot of shame about that until I did some like emotional head and heart work and realized like, it's okay to be motivated by other people. That's a gift Mm -hmm. that I have, you know, but like you said, that gift can be a used against me turned as a weapon or as a weakness um, Mm -hmm. or B or turn toxic so quickly because I'm not filling myself. And I want you to imagine Karen, that there is a, that there's like a well within you. Right. And that you have this un right now. It's as though you expect yourself to have a, a bottomless well of love. Right. Of, mm-hmm. of attention, energy, caretaking, and you give and give and give and give and give. And now you're mad at yourself because your well was empty and you couldn't give anymore. Like, oh, if I had only, right. if I had only asked for what I needed, I could have given and given and given 
until the end of time. That's not necessarily realistic. We all need to be filled up sometimes. We all need to feel loved, appreciated, seen, valued, cherished, celebrated. You can be the most selfless person in the world and we still need to be recharged like a battery, right? Like like the reason why I love words of affirmation and you probably connect to this, um, dear letter writer, is that if somebody... like I can be loving someone and, you know, sacrificing things for them or taking care of them really well or just doing standard things. All of that becomes I can do that again tenfold if somebody says, oh, my God, thank you so much. I love you. I love I love being in this relationship with you. You know, it fuels me to be able to love more. I think of it as like a recharge battery. You know, it, it's it's not that I think of it as like an exchange. I don't do those things. Um to get love back, but it definitely makes me better at my job of loving, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's nothing wrong in this. And it sounds like this relationship um, failed if relationships can fail, if we want to go with that metaphor, um, because you were not compatible in your ability to love and be loved, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you just weren't yeah. compatible. <clears throat> yeah. And I would say, I would even reframe that and say that this relationship succeeded because you were able to understand that you weren't getting what you needed out of it and ended it. Oh my right? God. I like love that, that. Is, that's not a failure of the relationship. That's a success for you yes. to say, I'm in this relationship and I'm giving, giving, giving this person is taking, 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 and it's not sustainable for me. It's not fulfilling me. It is not the things that I need or want. Um, and I know that you feel like you didn't express those things enough. You didn't say, that you needed more, right? Mm. <clears throat> but my guess, my guess, my love is that you probably did. Yeah. And that the that your your partner just wasn't listening or wasn't able to give you what you needed. Yeah. And that I don't want to disparage your partner or throw her under the bus because we are all complicated and we are all doing the best that we can. But also, I think that your partner just wasn't able or willing to be able to give you what you needed despite the fact that you probably express that in a multitude of ways, if not verbally, then through other things. And, and I, I think what hurts me most about this letter reading it is just how much of the blame you put for ending this relationship on yourself. When really the fact that you ended a relationship that was unhealthy for you is a success. Oh, is totally a good thing. Um, it's, it is much better to end a relationship that is constantly draining us than to continue to be in it uh, and not get what we need out of it. Yeah. And, and, and like, let me say this for the people in the back. (laughs) Um, It is possible to love someone and be unable to sustain a relationship with them. It's possible that your partner was a wonderful person who deserves love and healing and a healthy relationship. And, and you're just not the person to give it to them. Now is mm-hmm. not the time or whatever. Something I want to bring into this conversation, which will seem totally unrelated, <laughs> but great. I love it. Yeah. But I, I found really like eye opening um, is actually, it's a quote that somebody DM'd me. I, I have a couple DMs today. Um, so Autumn and you on Instagram DM'd me this Instagram quote by an Instagram person named Emma Zek. And they said, um, so we talk a lot about anxious attachment styles or different attachment styles, but Emma says, mm-hmm. maybe it's not that you're just an anxious, 
anxious attachment style. Maybe it's more that you're appropriately anxious when you're in a relationship with emotionally unstable people. When you're in a relationship with someone who is emotionally unsafe, you will be anxious. This doesn't necessarily Mm. mean that you're an anxious attachment style and thus need to learn to be more secure. It often means that your body is giving you feedback that the connection isn't secure or safe in general. Sometimes it's not about you learning to be less clingy and more securely attached. Sometimes anxiety and insecurity is your intuition screaming at you that you're trying to attach to someone who isn't safe to be attached to. So that's Emma Zek on Instagram. Um, okay, so I know this isn't about attachment styles. And I also like to, to add to that quote to, to stay derailed for a minute. <laughs> like I mm-hmm. definitely have an anxious attachment style, right? I, I know this about me because even in my healthiest relationships, it comes out. However, I know that the unhealthy people, it came out even more. And for, for a long time, I thought... It was me and I had to do the emotional work of like dealing with how anxious I fucking felt around them. Mm-hmm. But instead, in, if I started listening to my intuition and started recognizing that this person was unsafe, that maybe I could have like saved myself some um, self-blame work and would have left that relationship earlier. Meaning this is kind of like an extension of like, I don't know, trustworthy. It's easy to trust trustworthy people or whatever. So Karen, looking forward into your relationships, like you may not struggle with giving too much of yourself if you are in a healthy, secure, reciprocal relationship, right? Like that, that I want to prepare you to like advocate for your needs and, you know, to not overextend yourself. But I also want to be realistic and say, sometimes these problems will not appear in the same magnitude in in a relationship that is more um, equally matched or sustainable or healthy. Does that make sense? Um, 100%. Yeah. Because like I... I think it's a good thing that you're loving and giving and generous, right? Um, And I think that there is a partner out there that will benefit from that, those traits that you are giving, but also who will be able to fill you up so that you can continue to give, Mm -hmm. you know? For sure. Um, And I think that like, if we think about your partner too, right? Like there might be a person out there that is able to give them what they need because they seem like a person that is willing and able to accept a lot of help. Right. Mm. But they need someone that is also has a certain level of, or had, doesn't have that natural inclination to give, give, give too much of themselves. Right. So it's like, there's no, I don't want to cast blame on either side of this relationship. Right. It's just that you were two people that were incompatible that came together in relationship and hopefully are now learning from that in terms of what Mm. you need to seek out from others. Um, Because I, I feel like I feel so much of the, the blame casting in this letter where the, all of the blame is on yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, which like, look at you type two on the Enneagram. (laughs) Uh, I was Um, just daydreaming and you said that to the letter writer, but I thought you were talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I just think like, there is, you have so much to give and you are going to find someone out there who is able to receive that and also see and appreciate how much you're giving. Yeah. Right. And I think that those people are out there. Um, and that person is going to be so much better equipped to be able to help support you in your, in what you need from a relationship than, than this other person was. Yeah. And I want you to go ahead. 
No, it's just, so it's not your inadequacies, inadequacies that caused this relationship to fail. It was that you two were both unable to give each other exactly what you needed. Totally. And there's no way to just like fix that. There's no way for one person to come and say, I'm going to change who I am to make this relationship work. Uh, and so, but you will find someone who's going to be able to, to meet you where you're at and be able to provide you the things that you need so that you can be the wonderful caregiving a uh, wonderful, loving person that you are. Yeah. And, th- and, and think really quickly, like I was looking when Sam was talking, I was like thinking back on the relationships in which I overgave um, in an unhealthy way. And like one of those ways I overgave my darling caregiver is financially. And I have debt because of this, like I'm paying off a credit card bill from a relationship of several years ago in which I overextended myself because I thought I was one, not enough. That means I needed to overextend mm-hmm. my standard love to prove how worthy I was of their loving. And two, mm-hmm. that I was my only purpose on life was to love this person and did not actually take care of myself. And I look at that debt and I think, And I use that debt as a reminder of how I can stray from my own health and wellness, how I can stray so quickly from my own goodness and sustainability Mm -hmm. to to fill up somebody else. But I think about the airplane mask, right? When when you're on an airplane in the next seven years, when we can fly again, um, (laughs) um, you know, they always say, put your mask on before assisting others, right? You need to make sure that you are filled up, that you are sustained, that you are taking care of yourself, that you're accepting the job opportunities for you and your sustainability before you help others. And this will Mm -hmm. be a long road and you will learn this more and more as you get older, but it's a good thing right now that you're becoming aware of it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And and no, I I think, well, I was just going to say that these are good traits. Like Sam said at the beginning, like mm-hmm. caregivers, like kind of get a, not a bad rap, but like, you know, um, I just want to remind you that like your loving nature is one of the best things about you. You will mm-hmm. be able to harness it and find somebody who appreciates it, appreciates it in the future. And one of those For people sure. has to be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Because you need to see your caregiving as a strength so that you can set up boundaries that protect it. Yes, right? Sam. Yes. <clears throat> and I think I think caregivers love them to death um, because I am surrounded by them. Uh, thank you all. But I also think like boundaries are so much more important for people who are caregivers than mm-hmm. they are for for many of us because because they can so easily be taken advantage of. Um, and so I want you to look at that caregiver part of you and, and appreciate it for the precious, precious jewel that it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and also take the steps that you need to do in order to prevent it from being stolen or tarnished or taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that involves putting up boundaries that say, I'm willing to give my all to help support you in this relationship, but here is what I need from you. And if you can't, if you can't help me refill my well, then I'm not interested in participating in this relationship. Right. Absolutely. All right, Karen Giver, we hope that this helps. We do. We love you. We love you. Thank you for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... Oh my God. Okay. So it's two new Dixie Chick songs. (laughs) (laughs) And whether you are a Dixie Chicks fan or not, um, I just don't care. Um, (laughs) 
That's a boundary. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, I don't like your opinions is not going to affect my joy. Um, okay. So the Dixie Chicks are slated to come out with a new album this year. It's been delayed because of the coronavirus, but they released two new songs and I just need the Just Breakup community to listen to them because they, it's, it's as though they were tailored to the Just Breakup community. First of all, the first mm-hmm. one's called Gaslighter and everybody thought it was going to be like a political like anthem, but it's not. It's like a fuck you for cheating on me. You're a fucking mm-hmm. gaslighter. <laughs> it's just like yep. such a great, fun um, summer like empowerment song. I think it's so good. But even more importantly, I didn't think they could outdo it. Is they came out with they released a second song um, to like appease us who were like looking forward to the new album called Juliana Calm Down. And I swear to God, the Dixie Chicks are the only people who could ever tell a group of women to calm down (laughs) and and not be like uh, attacked for it but it's just trust me i texted it to sam and i said cry worthy (laughs) and Mm -hmm. sam said did i listen to it 20 times and repeat and cry yes i did and then the (laughs) next day like 24 hours later i was still listening to it still thinking about sam and i just want all of you to know that i I picture myself drinking a glass of champagne and dancing with Sam and to this song and like screaming the lyrics because it, it brought me such cathartic uh, release and joy. And it's just like a perfect fucking COVID-19 anthem. Um, so these are two new songs for the Dicks Chicks. You can find them where you find songs um, on YouTube, Spotify, et cetera. Um, and they're called Gaslighter and Juliana Calm Down. I wholeheartedly endorse that blind day. <laughs> I know. I mean, like half the time I like try to pick like something, you know, holistic, like a book or whatever. But I was like, fuck it. These songs are getting me through the last couple of weeks of quarantine. And they're honestly uh, another like my best friend from high school texted uh, Juliana calm down to me and was like, this was made for just break up listeners. And I was like, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, OK, it's true. It's so awesome. whether you I, and also like. If you have, um, if you're not a country music listener, like, don't worry. They kind of like evolve past it, but also like maybe question your uh, distaste of country music. <laughs> you know, like we're, it's a good time to like uh, open our horizons, you know, ex- whatever. Love it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes or just like general things that you love, like the two things that I referenced today. <laughs> um, but you can, most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our birthday live stream show happening Saturday, June 6th. That's right. Please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. A donut, it sounded like. A donut. Yes, not a donut, (laughs) but that would be amazing. Uh, As well as other goodies. uh, That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who give, who need two random random strangers giving them relationship (laughs) advice. Original music recording, (laughs) editing, and producing by the one and only super awesome Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, you know that you often only have two choices, let it go or be dragged. 
Because this door won't open for you, you can now find comfort in knowing that this is not your door. You can still find a way to grow from this. Change will happen soon enough. This is all part of the journey. And if all else fails, just break up. 